Hi there, I'm just jumping in real quick before the episode. Um, I didn't realize how short this episode was. Math is not my strong suit, and I picked three stories, and I guess I just assumed three stories would end up being at least 40 minutes, so I apologize for the short episode. That was not on purpose. That was just me not adding numbers correctly. So yeah, uh, I am sorry, and I will do better next week. All right, enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott and I'm here to read you a few creepy bedtime stories to help you drift off to nightmare land. For those new to the show, if you have access to headphones, that is the best way to enjoy this podcast since I frequently utilize binaural sounds, but if you do not, then that is not a problem. You'll have just as good of a time without them. I have three stories for you this week from three different new authors to the show, This week was sort of a grab bag of stories. They're all stories that I've had for a while, but I could never quite find their mates. I try to keep my stories each episode if I have multiple stories sort of within a certain theme, even if the theme isn't immediately recognizable. But these I just couldn't quite find their place, so I thought, why not just deliver them all as an eclectic mini collection of chaos? First up this week is a story from Jayliani Perez, and this is Sickness. I'll be different with them. But you won't be. You'll just do what you always do. Because you know that they'll do. You think that you'll be better. And won't stalk them like that fuck from you. But you're just like him. But you're worse than him. Because you know what you do. And what you did. And you think you're justified. Like with Remy. You killed them. You stalked them. And you killed them. You trapped them. And watched them shout out for help. You didn't read them, thank the gods. But you caught off to watching them suffer. Then you smiled and walked over to their suffering body and held them. You made them think you were going to let them go. But instead, you kissed their forehead as you took a knife and plunged it into their chest. 
You kissed their lifeless body. You enjoyed the way you felt when you put your lips on their cold ones. You are sick. You are sick. in the eyes 
screamed, and he plunged the knife into her stomach. She died so quickly in your arms. You carved a heart into her face. You burned her body and burned your clothes close to her. You drove home in silence and laid in your bed until morning. It was all over the news that she was missing. They didn't find her, of course, and they called off the search because her body had been burned. We won't talk about your other incidents, but I will name them because you need to know. You need to know how sick you are. There were ten more after her, and I fail to understand how you haven't been caught. They were all different genders, sexualities, and races. Blake, Jenna, Quinn, Remy, Jax, Alex, Sonia, Jade, Maya, Henry, and your newest endeavor, Spencer. You haven't killed her yet, and I strongly advise you don't because she's... She's kind. You've been with her for a couple months now, and you seem like you'll come out victorious with her. But lately... She has been distant. And you've been getting anxious. Hey, you really have to call me. I've been sitting here for an hour and you're not trying. I'm just, I'm, I'm gonna go home. It's been a month, and she's becoming more distant. And I'm afraid you're going to do something to her. You can't. I say it every time. Don't hurt them. But you don't listen. You're going on a date with her tonight. Please don't do anything to her. I've tried to save them, but what can I do? I'm only your conscience. The voice in your head. The one you're supposed to listen to. Fuck you. You don't listen. So all I can do is beg for Spencer's life. Don't kill her. But what am I truly to do? I try to be loud, but I think every time you've done your sick pleasure, I become quieter.
Next up is a story by R.J. Davis, and this is called The Box. It's been three days since my mom was reported missing. When she first stopped contacting me, I just assumed life had gotten busy. She's recently retired, you see, and had been talking about traveling with a few of her girlfriends. When she spoke about it, she would playfully tease about her being alone at last, and I had hoped she would make the most of her newfound freedom. She wanted to spend the first of many vacations in New Orleans so she could sip coffee and laugh when powdered sugar got on her clothes while eating beignets and listening to jazz music in the town square. It sounds so romantic, she would say. For her birthday last month, I booked her an airboat tour and wrapped a can of bug spray. She was delighted by both and I was so incredibly happy for her. We talked on the phone at least once a week and have a family dinner between holidays, but the calls stopped coming about a month ago. I gave her a few extra days to call, just in case she had more (laughs) exciting things going on. When I heard nothing, I left a few voicemails, tried to give her some space, but worry began to eat at me. I called my sister to ask if she had heard from her, then my brother, both aunts, uncle, and grandma. I got a no from each one, and a jab about being a worrywart or something similar. This, this just wasn't like her, and after the third week of not hearing from her, I gave in and called my father as a last resort. Hey dad, I know this is a weird question, but... Have you heard from mom? They've been divorced 10 years and have adult children, so there's no need to keep in contact anymore. But I called nonetheless. As expected, he also hadn't heard from her. That night, when my husband got home from work, I told him about my mother and how worried I was. And we decided that we would make the two-hour drive to her house this weekend. Saturday arrives at a snail's pace, and it takes longer than my nerves can handle to get my husband, two kids, and I all packed and on the road. Anxiety leaves a bad taste in my mouth, and I can tell it's rubbing off on the kids. They're distracting themselves the best they can with their phones, but unease still runs rampant. I can feel it flowing around the car with the help of the air conditioner going back, doing a flip, then back up, and to the side, before one last inversion, hitting the floor. I can feel it stagnating there. Two and a half hours later, we pull into the long gravel driveway at my mom's house, the crunching beneath our wheels, setting my teeth on edge. Her car is parked in its usual spot under the carport, and we ease in beside it. 
Before my husband has the chance to put the car in park, the kids are unbuckling and opening their doors, eager to get out. Be careful! I yell, my voice louder and more clipped than I intended. I follow it with, Stay by the car, please. This time my voice seems less panicked. They groan and obey while I walk to the front door with my husband in tow. I forego my southern etiquette and try the handle instead of knocking. And to my surprise, and horror, the door is unlocked. I twist the handle and push the door in with enough force to slam it back against the wall. The house is quiet and the lights are off. Not even the TV is on. She always left the TV on, all day and night, with either the Hallmark or ID channel playing on a low volume. There's nothing, though. It seems to all the world she isn't home. But her car is in the driveway, and her purse is here on the table next to me, where she always puts it. Mom? I say, a bit quietly at first. I say it a second time. Mom! A bit louder, almost yelling it, and then pause to listen. I still don't hear anything. I nod to my husband, and we walk further into the house, a sense of dread building in the pit of my stomach. We check each room in turn, calling out each time. Finally, we make it to her bedroom, the last place we haven't checked. This room, like the others, is silent and empty. Nothing in the entire house looks out of place, and my heart pounds in my chest. Where in the hell could she be? I turn to walk out of the room when I see her jewelry box. I step over to close the door that has been left slightly ajar, and a piece of jewelry glints in the light of the window. I open it further and nearly faint at the contents. Not even Dante could have described such a hellish nightmare. The jewelry that caught my eye was in fact another eye. Blood and humors dripping from gashes on the side of it. The optic nerve still attached to the back of it were wrapped around one of those metal necklace hooks. On the other hooks were entrails interlaced with necklaces. The other eye was in the bracelet caddy, and there were fingers attached to the rings. Blood soaked nearly every inch of the white velvet lining, and my stomach turned in knots at the sight of it. Before I can look away, I notice the finger in my mom's old wedding band looks familiar. 
that's the same color nail polish my mom wears. And I sway on my feet at the thought. Mom? Our last story of the night is by Mickey Green, and it's called, What Are the Odds? I mumbled as water splashed down on me. The windows that are flat are open. The carpet will get ruined. Oh, Jesus, what will the landlord think? Two grown men that can't. It doesn't matter. He's gone. God damn it, it's too late. He's dead. My ears rang with high pitched screams. I couldn't think. I couldn't move. The screams were paralyzing. All at once, my body crumpled to the ground. My knees weakened and gave way. My weight caught on the palms of my open hands that roughly collided with the concrete. There was silence. No. No, that wasn't right. There wasn't silence. There were sirens and people yelling. But the screams had stopped. My screams had stopped. I heard myself moan. I tried to steady my breaths, but they kept coming fast and shallow. I got to my knees. Just as I straightened, vomit began to spew from my open mouth. My throat was on fire, face soaked with tears. I fell again onto my scraped hands, and my stomach emptied its contents. I felt fingers gently moving hair from my pale face as my body violently jerked and my breakfast splattered on the soot-covered road. When my heaves turned to sobs, the gentle hands in my hair untangled themselves and found their way to my shoulders. Come on, hon. I got you. I got you. It's, it's okay. I'm here. As the gentle voice spoke, the warm hands began lifting me to my feet. There was little resistance from me as I left the ground. I had no strength left to fight. There we go. It's all right now. I've got you. I was pulled into the chest of a woman I didn't recognize. The stranger spun me away from the bloody scene and held me close as I sobbed and cried out in sorrow. Her calloused hands surely felt my trembling body under them. I continued to cry into her jacket for a few moments. Her hands never once let go or loosened. When I had quieted, the kind stranger released her grip on me and took a step back, wiping my tears and snot away. I slowly turned my frame in the direction of the paramedics and police officers. I watched as they carefully placed a blanket over Carter's mangled body and went back to work. It's raining. When did it start raining? 
I breathed, barely making a sound. I don't even have an umbrella. And the hot stream of tears began again. Carter always thought to bring the umbrella. The kind woman was at my side now, stroking my arm soothingly. Oh no, sweetie. You were together, weren't you? Oh, I'm so sorry. So, so sorry. But her words fell on deaf ears. I was making my way to the circle of onlookers that had gathered around the first responders. I made my way quietly through the crowd to a female officer. I pushed my way past her, the officer grabbing my arm in the process. Stop right there, you can't go any further. I'm not going to tell you again. The officer said over the chaos around us. But I didn't stop. I didn't even slow down. The officer tugged at my arm, roughly pulling me back, grabbing at my free wrist. The officer commanded, Stop right now! What are you thinking? Get back! With the last word, the officer captured the slender wrists she was reaching for and wrenched both wrists into the small of my back, pinning them there harshly. The officer began to pull their handcuffs from their belt as I struggled desperately, but silently. I felt the cold metal of the handcuffs touch my wrist and instinctively pulled back my right arm and swung at the officer. My fist connected with her face, and she took a startled step back, drawing her service weapon. Blood gushed from her nose, and my fist was throbbing. Stand down, officer! Stand down, he's all right! He's the partner! The wounded officer hesitated for a second, before pity softened her features. She holstered her weapon and nodded to her fellow officer. The second officer spoke to me. What did you do, Benji? Why did you do this to us? The officer's face melted away, patches of burnt flesh falling at his feet. You son of a bitch. The officer's bony hands grabbed my face and began slicing into my warm flesh. I woke with a scream, my throat raw, like I smoked two packs too many. My mind wandered back to the explosion a year ago. It was labeled terrorism but no one ever took credit for the gruesome attack. It had killed 39 first responders, 64 civilians, and injured dozens more. The bomb had leveled an apartment building, along with neighboring structures, including a daycare. Someone had set fire to an apartment building housing 30 working-class people. Not many residents made it out, but the ones who did, like Carter, had to be dragged. I squeezed my eyes together tightly for a moment. When I opened them, 
tears slowly made their way down my flushed cheeks. I remember that day like it was yesterday. It replays over and over in my mind. Watching that firefighter drag my Carter out the front door. Carter was screaming. His torso was covered in blood and flames and Jesus Christ, his legs were gone. Gone. The firefighter dragging him was screaming for help through his mask. But when help arrived, Carter lay lifeless on the wet concrete, oblivious now to the screams of his lover. Of course, I did the whole grieving boyfriend routine. But once I got to the front of the crowd, I was pushed back with excessive force by a female officer with a bloody nose, tears running down my white cheeks. I exited the crowd and didn't look back. I was pulling something out of my pocket when I heard, He's gone! God damn it, it's too late! As the man pronounced my beloved Carter dead, he slammed his fist onto the trunk of a car to his right. The car exploded in a hot burst of flames. Structures collapsed. People screamed. Sirens flared. But I laughed. I had been close enough to be knocked to the ground by the explosion, but not seriously hurt. Damn. What are the odds? I chuckled to myself as I slowly got to my feet. Detonator still tightly clasped in my bloody fist. Thanks for listening, and thank you so much to my three new authors. You did a great job, and I hope you enjoy what I did with your stories. I took some creative liberties with a couple of them, so I really hope you enjoyed them. If you'd like to submit a story to be considered for the show, please email it to scarytosleep at gmail.com. And like I said, I might take a few creative liberties. I don't ever change the um, wording of the story, but I like to add a few things around the story with what I can with sound effects to build the world a little bit. So if you'd like that, it's always a fun keepsake to have your stories turned into something, some sort of audio... What, 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 what would you call these things? <laughs> Audio productions, I guess, of your short stories. So yeah, scary to sleep at gmail.com. Thank you so much for sticking with me through the end of 2021. This is the last day of the year. I wish you so many good tidings and health and wealth in the new year. Um, it's been one of those years where I think for a lot of the, a lot of us, I know for me, especially, um, not especially, but for me in my world, um, the end of the year is very, very different than the beginning of this past year. It's like totally different world over here. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm on a lot of new scary ventures in the new year. Again, I'm for many of, you know, I'm on my own now. I'm not exclusive 
and um, so yeah, it's, I have a lot of things on the horizon that I hope pan out, and I'm just so excited to go with you on this journey into the new year. Um, for those of you who um, have subscribed to the Patreon, thank you so much. I have some things coming up. In fact, um, soon you will see an announcement for, I had this idea um, a few nights ago. I, it wasn't just my idea. It was a combination of me and a friend and my husband all talking about this, but um, I want to earnestly read some creepy pastas. Yes, I have been, people have begged me for years <laughs> to read creepy pastas on the show, and I just, it's not the, the vibe I'm going for on the main show, um, but creepy pastas have their place. And so I figured this would be a fun thing to do for Patreon to fully, earnestly read these creepy pastas <laughs> and um, present them just as seriously as I present. All the other stories on the main show. So look out for that on Patreon. If you're not a Patreon subscriber, you can subscribe today for only a dollar for the lowest tier. And from there, it goes up to different tiers with different re rewards. Rewards. Rewards is a word I always get caught up on. Let's see. Um, I haven't been doing much baking this week. Um, I got back from Christmas with my family and I was sent home with m so much candy um, that I... I don't even know what to do with it all. I'm thinking about chopping a lot of it up and turning it into cookies. I have a lot of York peppermint patties. I don't know why. Um, Santa brought me some York peppermint patties and I'm so sorry, but I don't, I'm not a big chocolate mint person. Um, I don't know what to do with them. Neither is my husband. And so, I don't know. Let's get creative. Oh, I was also sent home with a giant bag of grapefruit. So if anyone has any idea of what to do with grapefruit, I cannot eat any more grapefruit on its own. Um, let me know if you have any recipes for grapefruit to turn it into, I don't know, a syrup or a cake or cookies or something, um, or even something savory to do with grapefruit. I've actually, I don't believe I've used grapefruit in a savory way before. So let me know. I think the ice cream truck is coming by. I don't want you to have to listen to that. <laughs> so I will let you go again. I wish you all a happy new year. Please stay safe tonight. If you're going out, if you're not, then also stay safe. You know, stuff can happen in the home. Don't get on any ladders tonight just for me. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, stay safe, stay happy. I'm sending you all so much love to go into this new year. Oh, if you want to follow the show, if you're new here, you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at scary to sleep. Facebook is a group. So you have to like hit, you have to request to join and please answer the questions. You don't have to give long answers or anything. Just so I know you're not a bot. We've had a big influx of bots trying to get into the group. So if, if, if any of them slip by, I apologize. Um, so yeah, um, I believe that is all. Again, happy new year. Go get some sleep. Sweet dreams.